With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast on Monday, the 12th of September, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you geoblock from while also keeping your data safe. So UK expats wanting BBC iPlayer to be allowed to watch, I don't know, footage of the Queen's funeral, Liberty Shield can get you where you want to go and keep your data safe. Go to libertyshield.com right now. Use the code EPL25. That's EPL25 at checkout and you get 25% off either the hardware or software packages. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops that you can find on Etsy, use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off. Right, folks, um, before I forget, on Friday, we released part one of the summer transfer review with myself and Kevin DeVries. We went A through W, so part one has Arsenal through to Leeds. None of this AFC Bournemouth going first nonsense. Arsenal through to Leeds, and part two is going to be on the EPL roundtable feed, and it will run Leicester through to Wolves. So make sure you listen to both of those. Um, I don't know if there'll be a tad predictable this week because obviously we're waiting to hear if games will get played next weekend. If games are played, it's almost certain that the Spurs game... Spurs would be due to be home to Leicester. The Brentford-Arsenal game and the Chelsea-Liverpool game will all be postponed. Even if the others go ahead, it's almost certain that those games will be postponed. It's also looking likely that Arsenal's Europa League game will be postponed uh, because of the need for extra policing around the Queen's body lying in state and then the Queen's funeral. So, um, we may get some games next week, but I would say at a maximum it will be seven. We obviously had none at the weekend, so seven would be well, we'll be seven more, so it'll be good. We'd have at least some football in the Premier League. However, 
There's always football on. So even though there was no football in England or Scotland at the weekend, there was plenty of football going on around the continent. So I thought quickly to take a look at what went on in the different leagues. Uh, Lens beat Troyes 1-0 on Friday night in the French League to start the weekend. PSG beat Brest 1-0 with a goal from Neymar, who's had an outstanding start of the season. Marseille beat Lille 2-1. Alexis Sanchez getting a goal in that one. Strasbourg Clement or Clermont drew nil nil. Angers and Montpellier that one ended two one to Angers. Sophie and Buffal, formerly of Southampton, with the winner. A Jekyll nil Nice won. Andy Delfort with the only goal. Toulouse won. Stad Reims nil. Disappointing one for Reims. Laurent 3, Nantes 2. Uh, that seems like it might have been a fairly decent game. Stad Ren 5, Auxerre 0. This one was a lot of fun to watch from a Ren point of view. Suleimane, Amin Guri, Martin Terrier, Flavian Tate, and Ab- uh, Matthias Ablin scoring. Ren were just incredible. And then last night, Monaco 2, Lyon 1. This was a really good game. Badiashile opened the scoring on 55. Marapan made it 2 on 63. Ikambi did get one back for Lyon in the 81st minute, but it was too little too late. Top of the league, we've got PSG. Second, Marseille. Level on points. Both of them, seven games played, 6-1 and one drawn. Uh, Lens are third. Laurent are fourth, Leon fifth, and Rennes sixth. Monaco and Lille round out the top eight there. Move us on to the Bundesliga, or the no Bundesliga as I heard it called the other day, because Bayern just win it every year. Uh, Werder Bremen nil, Augsburg one. Not a great start to the weekend, that. Um, Hertha Berlin two, Leverkusen two. Patrick Schick with the late equaliser for Leverkusen. Hoffenheim, four. Mainz, one. Leipzig, three. Dortmund, nil. Leipzig, who sacked their manager on Wednesday, appointed Marco Rose, who was sacked in the summer by Dortmund, absolutely wiped the floor with Dortmund. And that could have been six or seven, and Dortmund would have had no grounds to say it didn't reflect the game. Bayern Munich 2, Stuttgart 2. I think that's three draws in a row now for Bayern. Check that in a minute. But disappointing result at home for them. Eintracht Frankfurt 0, Wolfsburg 1, Max Ensler-Quas scoring the only goal of the game. Schalke 3, Bochum 1. Dominic Drexler with a goal in that one. Cologne 0, Union Berlin 1. Timo Hubers with the only goal. Uh, it was an own goal on three minutes. And it uh, seems like it might have been fairly dull after that. And Freiburg nil, Mönchengladbach nil to round things out. So Union Berlin are top of the Bundesliga. Six games played, four wins, two draws. And the best defensive record in the league. Freiburg are second. Bayern are third. And yes, Bayern, like I said, they are, have not won in three domestic games. Um, Hoffenheim fourth. 
Dortmund fifth, Mainz sixth, Cologne seventh, and Gladbach eighth. Werder Bremen fighting the good fight in ninth. Leipzig tenth. Leverkusen seventeenth is a bit of a concern. I still think they've got a really good manager and a really good squad. I do think he needs to stop playing Jonathan Tah though. I really think he needs to stop playing Jonathan Tah. Um, at the weekend. He played Frimpong at right back, Hinkape at left back, Tapsalpa and Ta as his, as his centre backs. I think if he drops Ta for Kosono, that immediately improves them. I think it gives them better balance. He went with Diaby and Hudson Doy as his wingers and Plazic behind Schick. It did work if some of the football they played was really, really good, but I really do think he needs to drop Ta. I'm also not too fond of the goalkeeper, Bradecki, so. Uh, I'd look, be looking probably to replace him as well. But yeah, drop Jonathan Ta. I think you will solve a lot of your defensive problems, uh, Mr. Sione. Move on then to Syria A, where madness took hold last night, but we'll get to that. Napoli won Spezia a nil. Uh, Raspadori with the only goal of the game. Inter won Torino nil. A late, late goal by Marcelo Brozovic to give Inter the victory. Sampdoria won. AC Milan 2, Rafael Leao sent off in this one. Um, Olivier Giroud with the winner for Milan on 67 minutes. Atalanta 1, Cremonese 1, disappointing result for Atalanta. Sassuolo 1, Udinese 3. Udinese have made a brilliant start to the season. And uh, they might just be a team that won't make the Champions League, but might just trouble some teams and potentially get into a conference league spot or something if they can keep this form going. Bologna 2, Fiorentina 1, uh, Marco Arnautovic, once of Stoke, once of West Ham, and once a Man United target with the winning goal there. Lecce 1, Monza 1, Stefano Sensi, who I don't really understand why he's playing for Monza. He should be still at Inter Milan. But he scored in that one. Lazio 2, Verona 0. Uh, former Liverpool midfielder Luis Alberto with the second of Lazio's two goals in that one. Empoli versus Roma is tonight. So if you're looking for something to watch, that could be decent. Uh, Juventus 2, Salonatana 2. Madness. Absolute madness. So, Salonatana. So, first things first. Juventus are playing at home. I'm wearing their away kit, which really annoyed me. Regardless, Salonatana went 2-0 up. Kondrava scored after 18. Piatek scored after, I think, 50. But it was the first half. It was like five minutes of added time in the first half. So that happens. Bremer scores on 51 to bring Juve back into it. Benucci scores on 93 to draw the game. On 95, Juve get a corner. Arcadius Milik gets his head on it at the front post and scores. Runs off and starts celebrating, whips off the shirt, gets a second yellow card and is therefore sent off. The goal is given. The game is about to restart and somebody gets in the referee's ear and says, you need to come look at the screen. So he goes to look at the screen. The players start shoving each other and having a big Barney. Federico Fazio gets sent off for Salonatana. 
Juan Cuadrado gets sent off. Max Allegri gets sent off. The goal gets ruled out because Milik heads it on. Benucci is offside and tries to get his head to it, therefore apparently making him active. And he's in a central area, so he is sort of interfering with play. So the goal is ruled out. And the game ends 2-2. And then afterwards, Sky Italia release an image which shows that Benucci was onside because Condrava, who'd gone across to defend against the corner, is stood over by the corner flag, playing him onside. And yet the VAR didn't look at that image. They only looked at close-in shots, not at any wide-angle shots. So the goal should have stood. Four people got sent off as a result of the goal. And yet Juve get screwed out of two points. I will say, though, Salonatana deserved their draw. They really had worked really hard and played really well. And I quite like that team. There's like a number of players who were really promising at one point or, you know, were good at some point and are sort of finishing out their careers there. But uh, yeah, madness, absolute madness. You can't beat Syria for drama. Napoli are top. Atalanta second. This is why I said it was disappointing for Atalanta because they would have stayed top had they had they won. Um, Milan third. All three of them on fourteen points. All have played six, one four, drawn two. Uh, Udinese are currently third. Inter are fourth. Lazio fifth. Rome. Sorry. Udinese fourth. Inter are fifth. Lazio are sixth. Roma 7th and Juve 8th. One win in their last five. And if I'm running Juventus, I am calling Thomas Tuchel. And saying, come and fix this. Because this is a mess. Now, we all know how badly run United have been in recent years. But Juve have been dreadfully run. Since Beppe Morata left, they have been dreadfully run. And their squad is completely lacking in balance. It's been put together in such bizarre ways. They've they were a model club for how they kept their wage bill and how they recruited and the types of players they recruited and the bargains they found. And then Beppe left. And it's just all been a train wreck ever since. It really has. Like you, you can look at certain deals like the Aaron Ramsey one, the Cristiano Ronaldo signing. Just dreadful, dreadful business. And Paratici, who's now at Spurs, was responsible for so much of this, did long-term damage to the club and ruined their financial status. Like They were having to scramble to borrow money. They had to go cap in hand to a couple of their sponsors and ask them to redo their deals. It's all been a bit tragic, really. Um, and when you look at that squad, I mean, the, the, the fullback situation is awful. The centre-back situation is not a whole lot better. The goalkeeping situation is pretty poor. You wouldn't really fall in love with any of the midfielders other than Locatelli. And I do quite like some of the attackers that are there. Like, I like Vlahovic. I like Chiesa when he's fit. 
you look at some of the other moves they've made or some of the players they've let go, like Bentoncourt should be in that team. Kuliseski should be in that team. Uh, Romero should be in that team. Delict should still be there. Demerel should still be there. All of those players just shoved out the door for different reasons. Largely to try and balance the books. Um, but yeah, I mean, Allegri probably has to go now. I think his time might be up. Um, where do we go next? We go to La Liga. And in La Liga, Girona beat Valladolid 2-1 on Friday. Rio Vallecano beat Valencia 2-1. Did Falcao play? Is Falcao still there? He is. He came off the bench. Falcao coming off the bench for Rio Vallecano. A lot of great players could learn from him. Uh, Espanyol 2, Sevilla 3. Eric Lamella, formerly of Spurs, scored and was then later sent off. Martin Braithwaite, the most hated man at Barcelona Football Club, now of Espanyol, managed to get himself a goal. Cadiz nil, uh, Barcelona 4. Frankie de Jong, Robert Lewandowski, Ansu Fati and Usman Dembele. This game notable for a fan having a heart attack in the stands and the um, game getting stopped and the players having to rush to try and help. The Cadiz goalkeeper ran and got the defibrillator and ran across and chucked it up into the stands. And it, I think, I think everything's okay now. I think that the the person did survive, but obviously a scary moment. Uh, Atletico Madrid four, Celta Vigo one, Angel Correa, Rodrigo de Paul. Yannick Carrasco and a Unai Nunes own goal, giving Atleti four goals. Simeone will be furious scoring that many goals in one game. Four goals in a lot of games here because Real Madrid scored four as well. Uh, they went 1-0 behind. Mariki, who I think is on loan from Lazio, maybe. Um, he scored first from Mallorca. Federico Valverde equalised in the stroke at half-time, and then it was Vinicius Jr., Rodrigo, and Antonio Rudiger putting the game to bed. Elche won Athletic Club de Bilbao. Four. Because why not? Um, yeah, why not? Hetafe two, Real Sociedad won. Sociedad fall back down to earth after their win over Manchester United in the week. And then Real Betis won via Real nil. Uh, that was last night. Real Madrid are top, 15 points, five wins from five. Barcelona second on 13 points. Real Betis are third on 12. You get via Real, Athletic Club and Atletico Madrid on 10. Osasuna seventh, Girona eighth. Most disappointing club so far, Sevilla, sitting 16th, which isn't great. And since we've done all the other big leagues, we might as well do the Portuguese Primeira Liga. Vitoria beat Santa Clara 1-0. Benfica beat Famílicão 1-0. Rafa Silva with the only goal of the game. Sporting continued their good form, beating Porto Menens 4-0. Two for Trinqueau, one for Pedro Goncalves, and one for Nuno Santos. Porto three, Chavez nil. Uh, Taremi, Evan Nielsen, and Franco with the goals there. Casapia beat Pacos Ferreira 3 2. 
away from home. Xavier Godwin with a goal there. That's a name. That's a cracker of a name. Fair play to his parents. Maritimo won Jill Vicente two. Fran Navarro, people might remember him. He got two in that one for Jill Vicente. Uh, Aruka won Boa Vista, who've fallen off quite a bit from where they used to be, two. Uh, Boa Vista used to sort of be the number four club, uh, but Braga have very much usurped them, and Braga won themselves 3-2 at the weekend, beating Rio Avi. Braga are always fun. There's always at least one or two really promising young players in the Braga team. And tonight we get uh, Vesila versus Estoril Perea. Um, couldn't tell you anything about either team. Uh, Benfica top on 18 points, six wins from six. Braga currently second, five wins in a row, having drawn their first game. They're on 16 points. Porto are third, Porto Menens are fourth, Bovis the sixth, sorry, fifth, Casapia sixth, and Sporting in. Seventh, but Sporting have now won three in a row and look like they're turning things around, which is good. Recent form, last three games have been really impressive. Uh, but they've given themselves a lot of work to do, and Vittoria round out the top eight there. Um, yeah, right, I'm going to take a break, and we'll be back in a minute. Right, welcome back. So, uh, it's a little bit late in the season for this, but I'm going to do some predictions because, uh, well, what else am I going to talk about? There was no game at the weekend. So, I'm going to pick my league winner. I'm going to pick my top four. My Europa League sides, my Conference League team, my cup winners, my relegated three, my top scorer, Next manager fired and how many managers I think will get fired over the course of the season. So we'll start with league winner. Manchester City are going to win the league. Um, I actually don't think it will be all that close in the end. I think they might win it by eight points or more. They're just the best team in the country. And I know they've had the two draws this season against Newcastle and against Villa. But let's be fair, they dominated the Villa game and should have had that put to bed. Against Newcastle, they should have been out of sight before Newcastle got a sniff of the game. Newcastle did batter them for 40 minutes. But all it took was De Bruyne taking over the game for City to get dragged back in. And City could well have won that game late on. So I just don't look beyond City this season. I think they just look... When it starts to flow, I think it looks unbelievable. They're a much better team... When they get De Bruyne and Gundogan in midfield. The funny thing is, you would look at their midfield options, and obviously Rodri's the six, but you would say the two best eights they have are De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva. And the thing is, they both play better as eights when Ilke Gundogan is the other one. But the great thing with Bernardo is he can also play on the right wing. And I think. He's actually more effective there when De Bruyne is in the team than he is as an eight. So if they play De Bruyne, Rodri, Gundogan, 
Bernardo, Haaland and Foden as their front six. That's pretty unbelievable. Like they've got obviously a couple of injury issues at centre back at the moment, but they will get Laporte back. And when it's Diaz and Laporte, they're they're very very hard to beat. Um, so City to win the league. The remainder of the top four, I think, I think regardless of how disappointing the start has been, Liverpool will get top four. I think they'll finish second or third. They're still the second best team in the country. When everybody's fit, they're still the second best team in the country. Now, they've had, obviously, some very iffy performances, but it is worth pointing out they've only lost once this season, and that was entirely of their own making. United didn't play nearly as well as the pundits made them out to have played. Liverpool gifted them two goals through Jordan Henderson not knowing how to control a football um, and then not being willing to do his defensive work. So, you know, you wouldn't get... Too bent out of shape. Liverpool will finish, I will say, second. Spurs will finish third. Spurs are the one team that could finish second ahead of Liverpool, I think. I think this team looks very much like an, an, an Antonio Conte team. And that should be a scary thing for all others. Because um, Antonio Conte is a hell of a manager. And what he did at Juventus, at Chelsea, and at Inter was spectacular. And he now has Spurs playing in his image. Um, What I mean by that is they don't need to play well to win. They just find ways to win games. And more importantly for Spurs, they're very, very hard to beat. If we look at their season thus far, they went one behind against Southampton and then fired back and won 4-1 without Kane or Son scoring. They got largely outplayed by Chelsea and still got a draw. They got outplayed by Wolves and still won the game. They had a tough game against West Ham. I think they'll be a bit disappointed by that one. They obviously beat... um, Forest 2-0 was quite comfortable for them in the end and they beat Fulham 2-1 and the 2-1 didn't really reflect the game. But Spurs are just winning games without really hitting their full full flow yet and I think there's still more to come from that team. There's players to be batted in. The likes of Basuma will improve that team. I think Jed Spence, once he's up to speed, will improve things as well. Uh, I do have question marks over Eric Dyer and the left-sided centre-back role. And that's why I don't think they're capable of challenging for the title this season. But I do think they'll finish top three. Fourth will come down to Chelsea, Arsenal, Manchester United. And I still think it'll be Chelsea because I think they've got the best squad and I think they've got the best manager. The new manager is not as good as the old manager. Thomas Tuchel is a better manager than Graham Potter. But... I still think Graham Potter is a better manager than either Arteta or Ten Hag. He inherits a a really strong squad. Now, it is a little bit gappy in that you don't really have that defensive six that you would like. You don't really have that proven number nine that you would like. But they do have Raheem Sterling, who's a world-class footballer. They do have Kovacic, who's one of the best midfielders in the league. They do have Mason Mount, who's outstanding. They've got Reese James, they've got Cucurella, they've got Koulibaly, they've got Fafana, they've got Mendy, who's overrated, but still a very good goalkeeper. It's still a really strong squad, and they'll go on the lad in January if need be. 
I think Chelsea will get fourth. That leaves Arsenal in fifth and Manchester United in sixth. I just think Arsenal's squad is too small. I think they're lacking quality in certain areas. I don't trust the manager. I don't think he's good enough in short turnarounds to get the right results. I don't think he reacts well in games to his team going behind. I think when he has a week to set things up, he's fine. That's why Arsenal always look well prepared. That's why they always start games quite well. But once things go against them, I don't really think he knows how to react. So I'm going them fifth and I'm going to go United sixth because I I just think they still have too many holes. I don't think they're going to be good enough defensively over the course of the year. I know they're playing Ollie Ball at the minute and it's working for them, but teams are going to figure them out and teams are going to target Martinez. Six games, the guy's won headers in one game so far. And he hasn't really faced any of, other than Ivan Tony, he hasn't really faced any of the really kind of dominant aerial strikers. Like, what's he going to do against Haaland? Against Kane? Excuse me, against Kane? Against Broja, if Chelsea play him? Against Nunes? Against Mitrovic? Against Isak? Against Diego Costa? That's going to be funny. Mateta, Calvert-Lewin, Ollie Watkins, Antonio. I I don't like his chances. I really don't like his chances. I think teams will exploit that. I think they'll exploit the fact that Delo and Malashi just, they're good, they're just not great. And they're not going to be consistent because they're both quite young. I'm concerned about the midfield because Casemiro looked really slow. Now, I knew he'd lost some pace. He was never the quickest to begin with, but he looked really, really slow against um, Real Sociedad. I know it's his first game, first start, but he looked really slow. Him and Eriksen, that's a midfield I think teams will overrun. And where are the goals going to come from on a consistent basis? Because I don't know that you can trust Marcus Rashford to get you enough goals across the year. Sancho... Has a couple already this season, but I, like he's not going to be a 15-goal-a-season winger, I don't believe, and I don't think Anthony will either. Um, I think United end up sixth. I'm going to go West Ham seventh. I know they've had a terrible season, but I still think West Ham are better than the rest. So once they find a bit of form, get a few players back, I think they'll they'll start to pick up a lot of points. I'm going to say West Ham for the Conference League. Going down, this is really hard. This is really hard. I'm going to say Bournemouth because I I just don't think the squad is good enough to play in the Premier League. They've had a little bit of of a bounce with Scott Parker sacked. And they've gotten a draw and gotten a win. But I, I just don't see them picking up enough points across the season to stay up. I think Everton are going down. They just don't look like they can score goals. They don't look like they have a real plan other than to park the bus and try and hit teams on counterattacks. Now, maybe that's enough, but when you're doing that with Connor Cody as one of your centre backs in a two, I think you're going to get caught. It's going to cost you more than it gains you. And I think Fulham. Now, 
Fulham have started the season really well. They've got eight points already. But you'd look at Fulham and think they've had a great start. And you'd look at Bournemouth and think, well, they got battered a few times. But Fulham only have one point more than Bournemouth at this stage. And the thing I look at with Fulham is, who are the three teams worse than them? Like Leicester have one point. Leicester have been awful. But Leicester are a better team than Fulham. Fulham are just playing better at the minute. I think Forrest are a better team than Fulham. I think West Ham are a better team than Fulham. I think Villa are a better team than Fulham. Palace are a better team than Fulham. Wolves are a better team than Fulham. Southampton, I think, are a better team. Newcastle are a better team. I really just look at Bournemouth and Everton and think they're the only two teams that I can say I confidently believe are worse than Fulham. I don't believe that any of the others are. So for Fulham, they are going to need, and for Everton as well, because it's the same situation. I look at Everton, I think who's worse than them, and the only team that comes to mind is Bournemouth. Like, one of the big problems for Everton is they've got the worst manager in the league. Another problem is there's no real creativity in the team. Like they've got some pacey wingers, but there's no real creativity in the team. And if Calvert-Lewin is injured, which he has been from for all of this season so far, and he missed big chunks of last season, who's scoring goals? And is Calvert-Lewin by himself going to get you enough goals to keep you up? Like, at the moment, they've got four goals in the league. One of them was an own goal, and the other two were long balls over the top. And the fourth one was just awful defending by Diego Llorente against Leeds. Now, look, they've drawn the last four in a row, so they are looking a bit harder to beat. But it's not like Everton have been playing really good teams they played Chelsea they lost they played a bad Villa they lost they played Nottingham Forest they drew they played Brentford they drew they played Leeds they drew and they played an out of form Liverpool there's much tougher games to come I just I don't see three worse teams than either Everton or Fulham. I think everybody would look at Bournemouth and say that's probably the worst team in the league overall. Now, obviously this season, Leicester are the worst team. And look, it, if Leicester don't make a move soon, maybe maybe they do get dragged into it. I just have a hard time looking at a squad that has the likes of Ndidi and Tielemans and Madison and Barnes and Vardy and Ianacho and James Justin and Ricardo Pereira and people like that and thinking that's a team that will go down. I just don't see it. The defence is a bit of a train wreck at the minute because of some injuries, but I just don't see them going down. I don't see Forrest going down. Forrest are still trying to blood in basically an entire new team. That's going to take a bit of time in itself. West Ham are going to be good. We know they're going to be good because... They're a good team. We've seen them be good. They've got a good manager and they've bought good players. Aston Villa 
I can't guarantee will be good. But if I look at their 11 versus the 11s of West Ham, of, of Fulham and Everton, they've got the better 11. Now, Fulham have the best manager of those three clubs. Everton have the worst manager. Gerrard is much closer to Lampard's level than he is Marco Silva's level. Palace are going to be fine. Wolves have actually played really well and just been very unfortunate with how results have gone. I'm going to say Bournemouth bottom, Everton 19th and Fulham 18th. I just don't see anybody that's worse than any of those teams or that I expect to be worse. Top scorer is going to be Haaland and he may well get 40. Like he might not just break Salah's record, he might destroy it. Now, the thing is, there is a likelihood that he'll miss a chunk of the season through injury. Now, I think City will be fine because they've been used to playing without a, a traditional nine for the last couple of years. They can pop Alvarez in there. I think that'll work. They could pop Foden in there. And I think that works. Bernardo played there last year as well. So they can put Mares in, whatever. I, I think City will just keep the, tra- the train moving along. He could, but like I say, he could miss a chunk of games, but I think he will be um, comfortably the top scorer this year. Um, next manager to go, I think it has to be Rogers. I think it has to be Rogers. Five defeats in a row. Team looks listless. Up next. Spurs, now that game probably will get cancelled, but then it's the international break, and that's when you make the change. As soon as that Tottenham game gets cancelled, they should fire Rodgers, and that gives them about a week to find their new manager, and then gives that new manager a week's prep for Forest at home. And it's Forest home, Bournemouth away, Palace home, Leeds home, Wolves away which isn't a bad start at all. Then it's City home and then Everton away. So so the City game is the only, like, very, very difficult, most likely lose that game in their next seven after Spurs. So you sack Rodgers, give yourself time to find the right person. Make sure it's the right person. And then you give them a week to prep for for that game against Forest. I mean, no European football this year. Leicester just have the league. Like, I know they're still in the EFL Cup, but that doesn't come around until November. So it's one game a week up until the first week, the second week of November when they play Everton away, then Newport County, so realistically you're playing your reserves, and then West Ham, and then it's the international break. How many more managers will be sacked? Rogers, Lampard, Gerrard, and one more. I'm going to set the over-under at a minimum of six for the season. So we've already had Parker, we've already had Tuchel. I think... 
Rogers, Lampard, and Gerrard all go at different points. I think the World Cup break will probably see one of the Lampard or Gerrard pair go. I think Rogers has gone before that. I think there's definitely at least one more. At least one more. I don't know who it would be, but there'll definitely be at least one more. Um, what else did I say I was going to do? Was that it? How many managers sacked? Next manager to go. Top scorer. Oh, FA Cup. FA Cup winner. I'm going to say Spurs. I'll say Spurs. And League Cup winner. League Cup winner. I'm going to say Liverpool. Give myself a bit of joy. Give myself a bit of joy. It is our competition after all. Uh, Right, we'll do the gossip and we'll be done for the day. Uh, We've actually got four days worth to do, so I'll fly through as much as I can. Liverpool are planning to make a move for Jude Bellingham. Everybody knows that. Brentford boss Thomas Frank has dismissed rumours touting him as a potential successor for Graham Potter at Brighton. Um, There's absolutely no way Brentford would agree to that. Um, Matthew Benham, who owns Brentford, and Tony Bloom, who owns Brighton, are like massive rivals. So that's not happening. Chelsea have reassured Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang who was sacked by the shocking of Thomas Tuchel that he can flourish under Graham Potter. Uh, Bayern Munich sporting director Hassan, Salih- Hassan Salahamazic has once again quashed speculation linking the German club with a move for Harry Kane. Chelsea have already lined up... Ruben- oh, well, that doesn't matter because I don't believe that to be true at all. I think that's nonsense. I spoke with that last week. Um, Loris Karius, Newcastle, we spoke about that. Hugo Lloris. Oh, so guys giving me the uh latest odds for Brighton's new manager. Uh Kettle Nutson of Bodo Glimpse. He is top with at nine to four. Steve Cooper at eleven to four. He won't leave Palace. Uh Roberto De Zerbi, who is probably my favorite pick for this, four to one. Really good. Uh Ange Postacoglu of Celtic, six to one. Russell Martin is eight to one. Now, I'm not being funny. Russell Martin has done a fairly awful job at Swansea and should in no way be considered for this job. In no way. Swansea finished 15th last season, having been in the playoffs the two previous seasons and currently sit 13th in the league. Uh, they've won two of their eight games so far against three losses and three draws. Russell Martin shouldn't be considered. Nathan Jones, I don't mind Nathan Jones at all. I think, to be fair to him, um, he's done a, an incredible job at Luton. But he went to Stoke and it didn't work at all. I don't know if he can work outside of Luton. Like He was awful at Stoke. Uh, Brendan Rodgers, they'd be insane. Dean Smith, they'd be insane. Scott Parker would be ludicrous. And Sean Dyche, it just isn't the type of manager that they would uh, appoint. So we'll just uh, move on past that. Sean Dyche, keep an eye on him for Everton. Uh, Hugo Lloris is doubtful that Paul Pogba will be available for the World Cup. 
Eric Ten Hag wanted Brian Brobby, blah, blah, blah. Rumours of Manchester United sale to Jim Radcliffe have led to the club stock market value rocketing by 450 million. And if you don't think that the Glazers are solely responsible for putting out rumours that the Glazers are open to selling, I can sell you a bridge at a very reasonable price. Arsenal could renew their interest in Shakhtar Donetsk's Ukrainian winger Mykhailo Mudrik during the January transfer window. Thomas Tuchel's strained relationship with Todd Bowley started when the pair clashed over Cristiano Ronaldo because Tuchel actually understands football and didn't want him. Uh, Wolves would expect to sign Diego Costa. That has been announced today. Let's move on. Emmanuel Petit has urged Arsenal to sign Alexis McAllister. Graham Potter has earmarked Yosko Gvardiol as a possible first sign. This is nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Uh, the Express want us to believe that they know who Graham Potter has earmarked as his first signing. Newcastle have agreed to sign Larry's Carrios. Arsenal are set to rival... Oh, Newcastle is set to rival Arsenal in the pursuit of Alex Grimaldo. Not really sure why Arsenal would want him. Um, could see, could understand why Newcastle would. Vasco da Gama's Brazilian midfielder Andre Santos is also interesting. Newcastle... I, Michael Mudrick says he could not say no to Arsenal if the club made a move. This is just, again, gutter journalism. Ben Jacobs, who is a spoofer, um, and pretended he knew what was going on when Arsenal, when Chelsea were being sold, so he built a big following and has been able to turn that into lying for a living. Uh, he did an interview for CBS with Mudrick and put words in his mouth. And he basically said, what if Arsenal came in for you? And if he'd said, what if Brentford or Newcastle or Brighton or any Premier League club or any club really would come in for you, he would have given the same answer you could tell. Absolute nonsense. Napoli were never interested in signing Cristiano Ronaldo because Napoli are smart. Uh, Diogo Delos, has he turned down a move to AC Milan? No, that's not true. Colombia right back and free agent Santiago Aris is ready to join Manchester United after leaving Atletico Madrid in the summer. Uh, okay. Sebastian Kiel has said he was happy to sell Erling Haaland because he'd become a burden to the club. Uh, it sounds like a bitter ex. Spain left back Jordi Alba is committed to playing for Barcelona despite being linked with a move to Inter Milan. La Liga have increased Barcelona's salary cap by $694 million. This is wrong. No, no, this is just nonsense. Italian midfielder Sandro Tonali has signed a new contract at AC Milan. Uh, former Celtic midfielder Tom Rogic is in talks with West Brom. He's a free agent, so he can still sign. Leandro Bakuna, formerly, I think, of Aston Villa, is currently training with Birmingham. La Liga president Javier Tebas is preparing a report to UEFA after criticising the Premier League for causing transfer inflation with unsustainable spending. This man has overseen a league in which Real Madrid have been bailed out multiple times and Barcelona have accumulated 1.6 billion euro worth of debt and he wants to talk about unsustainable uh, spending. 
Like, have a look closer to home, bud. Have a look at the financial history of Atletico Madrid. Have a look at the financial history of Real Betis, Sevilla, Valencia. Get your own house in order before you start throwing stones. Barcelona will resume their pursuit of Bernardo Silva in January. Brighton are ready to discuss a new deal with Moises Casado. Probably a waste of time. Wolfsburg and Denmark striker Jonas Wind says a transfer to Arsenal would be a dream. Um, now, I'm not one to burst bubbles. But he's, he's a good player. He's not good enough to play for Arsenal. Manchester United could have signed Sergio Dest from Barcelona only for a boardroom disagreement to scupper the move. I wonder, before Sergio Dest went to Barcelona, who did he play, on, play for? Oh, he played for Ajax. And who was his manager at the time? Oh, it was Eric Ten Hag. So, you know, of course. Bodo Glimp coach Kettle Nutzen and Italian Robert Roberto De Zerbi are the favourites for the Brighton job. Paris Saint-Germain has had to pay 90% of Mauro Icardi's salary while he's on loan at Galatasaray. Wow. Former Leeds United forward Rafinha has reiterated his, deci- his decision to snub Chelsea this summer was influenced by his desire to emulate his boyhood hero, Ronaldinho. Uh, Leeds are unlikely to revive their interest in Bamba Dieng after missing out. That was a mental story as well. La Liga president Javier Tebas has criticised Killingham. This guy just needs to shut up. Uh, Atletico Madrid and Portugal forward Joe Felix says he knows nothing of Manchester United transfer interest because it wasn't real. Carlo Ancelotti could be set to sign a new deal at Real Madrid. West Ham are to make a £12 million move for John Egan. In Jan- no, they're not. Nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Wolves will loan... This is great. Wolves will launch a new transfer bid for Argentina midfielder Enzo Fernandez after Benfica pipped him to the signing of the 21-year-old this summer. He's going to cost £70 million minimum. Wolves aren't getting close, but if they had got him, oh, that would have been good. Chelsea are interested in bringing Luis Campos to the bridge as a new sporting director. Garbage. Um, they're not getting him. They're just not going to get him. He's running the, side, the football side of things at... Uh, PSG, he's not leaving. Manager Brendan Rodgers and Leicester's new head of recruitment, Martin Glover, have held discussions over future transfer windows. <laughs> Wasting your time, lads. Um, Newcastle are planning a 2.5 million raid for Sunderland's 15-year-old England midfielder, Chris Rigg, rated as one of the best young prospects in the country. He is apparently an outstanding prospect. Central midfielder, Apparently, he is absolutely outstanding. Hopefully, Sunderland can keep hold of him. Um, Bayern Munich, I think more Hassan Salahamazic and Harry Kane. Barcelona will try to sell Frankie de Jong again in January. Worked out real well in the summer. Newcastle are holding off making the official announcement of Loris Karius on a short-term contract as a mark of respect to the Queen. I hear she hated German goalkeepers. Hated them. Some of the marks of respect are mental. 
Morrison's turned off the beep on the self-scan checkouts. Norwich City Council don't want you putting your bike in any of the bike racks. And the Met Office aren't doing weather updates. Like, this is... I get wanting to show you respect. I'm fairly certain. What I've read and what I observed over my time aware of who she was, I think she would have wanted people to kind of carry on as normal as much as possible and not do ridiculous things like turning off the beeper on the self-scan checkouts or chaining up bike racks so people couldn't put their bikes there or announcing your goalkeeper, you know? Um, Manchester United turned down the chance to sign Memphis Depay. They they should have they should have signed Memphis. Manchester United players believe Cristiano Ronaldo still wants to leave Old Trafford and will push for move in January. He probably does. He's desperate, but he was desperate to leave in the summer. So and he went on strike. So you know. Liverpool are set to rival Manchester United for the signing of Ibrahim Sanger. Sanger and Casemiro will be hilarious. Liverpool aren't going to be in for me either. West Ham would be a good signing. Leicester would be a good signing. Uh, Aston Villa midfielder Douglas Louise is a target for Liverpool who would be prepared to offer Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. What the story actually says is Liverpool should offer him, and it's all nonsense anyway. Chelsea's chances of landing summer trans target Rafael Leao have been boosted by contract talks stalling. Uh, it's it's September. It's September. Milan will give him what he wants because he is that good. His contract doesn't run out to 2024 either, so they're in no hurry. Uh, Ange Postacoglu is on a long list of candidates being considered as a replacement for Graham Potter. He's not allowed leave. Simple as that. Kieran McKenna says his focus is on getting Ipswich promoted after being linked with the Brighton job. He It's too early for him. He's very, very promising though. Everton have set their sights on 27-year-old Mali winger Adama Traore, who has scored 12 goals in 12 games for Hungarian side Ferenc Varos. Okay, and finally, free agent striker Andy Carroll is set to rejoin championship side Reading. Uh, he did fairly well there, if I'm not mistaken, the last time he was at Reading. Um, and he seemed happy enough when he was there. So don't really know why he left. He left and went to, I think, West Brom, maybe. If I got that right. Let me have a, Let me have Andy Carroll. Andy Carroll. Yeah, yeah. He was there for six months and then he joined um, joined West Brom. He probably should have stayed where he was. Signed a short-term contract on West Brom. They probably offered him a bit more money, to be fair. Uh, Reading, still managed by Paul Ince, which I find quite funny, but they started the season uh, really well, in fairness to Ince. And they do currently sit third, but uh, I think they're probably going to tumble at some point. Anyway, that's me. Uh, no idea how long this has been. It seems like it's been fairly quick, but I'm sure it's well over the hour. But uh, look, 
You probably thought I wouldn't manage an hour today with nothing to talk about, but I could literally talk to the wall. So I'll see you all tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.